This is The Shift Podcast. Today on The Shift Daily Podcast, are we bad people for laughing at others when they fall down? Psychologist and associate professor at the University of Montreal, Genevieve Beaulieu-Peltier, has researched it and she tells us that we laugh at someone's surprise or misfortune, or are we just all jerks in this? Maybe we're good people after all. Is Threads, the new Twitter competitor for Meta, a hacker's dream? Hank the Hacker addresses concerns experts have with the app's security and answers your cyber safety questions as well. And are you okay with being lost at sea and so much more? It's all in the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. We have all had that moment where we're walking along by ourselves. I would say it's safe to say that when we are perhaps climbing the stairs, we've all fallen up the stairs. But yet there's this one thing that we all do when we trip and fall. And we, it's like we do this little hop, skip, run, step, step. And we kind of look around, did anybody see that? (laughs) And then off we go. I don't know why. Maybe it's the same reason why dogs walk in a circle before they make their bed. It's something that's woven deeply into us. I don't know. There is a group that is doing research on why this is funny, though. Why do we laugh out loud when somebody is in peril, when someone is falling down? They could be almost hurt. How do we interpret that? Facial expression, uh, body language, just natural. I mean, when you see a friend trip and fall, there are three kinds of people in this world, I believe. There's one that says, oh, are you okay? And then there's one that steps back and just laughs. And then there's the other person that reaches for their phone and tries to get a video of it. This is where we start the conversation uh, with our guests here on The Shift. Uh psychologist with the University of Quebec in Montreal. Um, Genevieve Bouliot-Peltier is here with us. And, um, and so this is your study, uh, Genevieve. This is, this is, you guys, I'm curious, is it the embarrassment, the laughter, the trip and fall? I mean, how do you get into this study? It's not my own study. I was uh, invited to study like, understand, interpret, uh, and look in the literature. So if there was some study, and there was, (laughs) there is literature on this. So I was invited to write on this topic and I accepted the invitation right at the beginning because we all feel this moment of laugh. And I was very interested to search for what what on earth motivates us to laugh? Are we sadistic? Are we like mm-hmm. a lack of empathy? So there's uh, evidence in uh, literature that explains us uh, like what are the ingredients under this uh, la- uncontrollable laugh that we can experience? There was a time Genevieve, I was golfing with my father. And if you picture in front of me, my dad is taking his golf swing. It's beautiful golf course. And I have a camera. We were in Sudbury, Ontario. And my dad takes a golf swing and misses the ball. 
and falls over. <laughs> it would have been the most spectacular photo ever. And it was not with uh, mobile phones today. It was old uh, cameras. And so yet when I, in that moment, the first thing I did was I, I didn't take the picture. And my mind went through, oh, he's not going to want to see that. <laughs> and then I put the camera down. I wish I could say that I was a good person, though. <laughs> and I wish I could say that I was worried about him being okay. I laughed really hard at my father. So um, there are a lot of different things that go through our head yeah. when we see somebody trip and fall. Yeah, there, there are different ingredients. And the first ingredient that we see, like you were, lo you were looking at your father. It was predictable. You were looking at the, what he was doing. So this is like what you see is under control. You know what will happen next. next. So for instance, he's walking uh, or he's taking like a... Um, the, the ball in his hand. So, so you know what will happen next. But all of a sudden, everything shifts. What you predicted is no longer a, a, a great interpretation. So this unpredictability, this surprising situation is really the first ingredient. So the ingredient of surprise. So it is the, the departure from what we expected to see. Though, so it's this incongruous situation uh, who highlight, which highlights our error of prediction. So laughing at that moment is like finding a, a new, um, more coherent, comic interpretation of what we just uh, witnessed so this mm -hmm. is the first ingredient you need this surprise uh, surprising situation but it's not enough it's not just to like being uh, surprised your brain when you are uh, uh, facing uh, this surprising situation your brain is searching for information to interpret what is going on so you're searching information where <laughs> the, the the best place to search is in the facial expression of the victim of the clumsiness so you look at his face and you you search like is the person feeling uh, angry is the the person suffering uh, or is the person like just expressing uh, a, a face of perplexity surprise astonishment so you mm -hmm. need this information our neural circuits are made to search for this information to interpret the 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 awkward situation that you're yeah to, to sort of see if they're okay i suppose yeah, right um exactly and and so that's fascinating. Okay, so when I think about my dad, I didn't see his face, mm -hmm. right, in that moment. So I didn't really know if he was okay. I mean, there's all kinds of things that kicked in for me, including vanity. Um, you know, I was thinking about embarrassment, all those things. <laughs> this is fascinating. So when you say 
if it's incongruent, so, you know, normally somebody walks down the stairs, that goes fine. Yeah. That changes, that causes surprise for us. Our brain is rather lazy anyway. It's probably expecting everyone to go down the stairs. So then when it's, you think it's a surprise for us, it's more of a surprise for the person that slips. <laughs> so for them, their face could give, it's usually a funny expression, like it's strange, right? Like we yeah. make some sort of strange face. So that's interesting because somebody could be truly terrified. Yeah. We could find that funny though. They could be surprised and make just a funny, strange face. We can also find that funny. So how we interpret it is yeah. must also be part of the equation. Yeah, exactly. Because when you see the, the facial expression or we can also add like the, the reaction of the, the, the person. Uh, maybe the, the person is laughing. Maybe mm -hmm. like, like if you see someone uh, falls down, but you, you see, for instance, that he can, uh, he can get up. He is okay. So you interpret the situation as being non-threatening for him. So this is really important. If you are not sure, maybe at first you will laugh, but as soon as you have an hesitation, you are not sure that the people that, that the person is okay or not, at that moment you will change. So when yeah. when you feel the distress of the other person, you will uh, feel empathy for for him you will go and ask him are you okay but it's okay at first like you are surprised you, you don't know what it, what just happened it, it's like incongruous so you react you laugh a bit but after that when you see that there is distress you will you, you will uh, change uh, and you will stop laughing uh, probably <laughs> Well, yeah. So this is interesting because um, I, I know that experience too. Somebody falls down, you're laughing, and then they make them. They their body moves in a way that they're injured. Oh, they hold their arm or whatever. So you immediately it kind of washes over you, like uh oh. Mm. And then you go see, are you okay? And then you see the look on their face again or whatever. And then you're like, okay, well, your arm might be broken, but clearly you're okay. Um, and then we start to laugh again. So we really do go through it like you describe. It really goes uh, through that. Now, there's a lot here with your um, the psychology and as a psychologist, like the, the background um, that you have, there is vanity, there is ego, there is um, fear, um, a fear of looking bad. Mm -hmm. um, there is not to mention just the uncertainty in general of am I injured? Yeah. There's a lot that goes through our brains really quick with all of this, isn't there? Yeah, there's a lot uh, in the in the mind of the person who is a victim of clumsiness, and there's a lot in our mind also. So, like when we witness this kind of situation, we don't want to be in the shoes of the other person. Mm. Like it, it's like. It, you're telling yourself, what if it were me? And you don't want to be in this situation. You don't want to feel um, like discomfort, uh, humiliated. Uh, like you don't want to feel shame also. So you, you laughing at that moment can be a way to externalize 
your relief of not being in the shoes of the victim. So mm -hmm. this can be another ingredient. I don't want to be there. You are in this difficult situation, but that is uh, interpreted as funny. So I can, I can uh, feel like kind of relief also. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, when we go through that moment, I've always understood laughter as one of two things. Laughter is a true, I'm participating with you, we are connected, yeah. um, we are present, and we are enjoying the situation. There is also laughter where we feel wildly uncomfortable. And we have this, this is not proper vocabulary or language, but I'll, I'll do my best, is that we have this ball of emotion inside of us. And it's there and our body doesn't know how to expel it. Mm. And it's almost like in our brain, our brain goes, well, it feels good to laugh. That must feel a lot better than this feeling. And then it comes out of us. And then we laugh because sometimes we laugh at situations where uh, it's not appropriate, yeah. um, uh, socially appropriate. <laughs> and so there is two kinds of uh, laughter and that we go through. I always say this, it's the, the, in my public speaking, the only way to ensure that the audience is listening to you, there's only one way, and that's to make them laugh. Yeah. Because laughter is the one thing that you must be absolutely present for. Because you can't really laugh when you kind of heard something, right? You have to be present for it. So that in the psychology of it all, there is one of two very different things mm -hmm. going on, yet at the same time, you're very present yeah. to what is happening. This is very interesting because, yes, it can be a way to communicate with the other and to be there. And in the second um, way you're describing, I see this more like a coping uh, mechanism or mm -hmm. like a, a defensive strategy to mm -hmm. regulate our emotions. So there's a lot of mechanism that we can use to, to deal or to cope or to regulate our emotion. And... Uh, making a joke or a laugh, these are ways to to try to do something with what you are feeling. And at some moment, it, it, it is difficult. Uh, we, we experience emotions that can be very difficult, very, uh, this, uh, like really not comfortable. And this can make, makes us like make a joke which is inappropriate because at that moment, that is the best way I have fun to mm -hmm. like to, to, to transform my feelings. So there's other way you can go outside and run. You can also uh, deal with it like uh, some someone may may use like a, a alcohol to deal with, with his feeling. Uh, so, mm -hmm. so there are different um, ways that are more or less appropriate or more or less adaptive or more or less toxic also. But mm -hmm. you always have, always have to see like, what is, what is the person trying to do? And laugh making the other laugh or laugh like uh, by yourself uh, mm -hmm. is one of this this way so when you see someone like making a joke that is not appropriate instead of just like judging the person you can also try to uh, empathize with the person like 
what is is he struggling about like for him to do this joke probably he's really uncomfortable uh, is he stressed is what is he feeling right now so mm. we are we are talking about laughing at that point but we can have the same conversation with all strategies that we are using to cope or deal with emotions Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, that's fascinating to me. I mean, this conversation starts with someone who trips and falls and we laugh. Um, sometimes it's funny, sometimes that's not funny. At the same time, I've done my own study and work inside presence and conversation. And there was a, a, a blind spot for me, a bad pattern that I didn't realize that I had, was when somebody would pay me a compliment, I would usually make a joke. So I, I see the parallel here between not knowing how to process the emotion of that person who fell down, therefore laughter, and then being in a moment where someone says, hey, your son is, uh, I really appreciate, I had a friend of mine named Brian, he came to me and he said, hey, I just want to acknowledge the, um, that I see the relationship, the deep relationship you have with your son. And I said, I have the food. <laughs> He, he likes me because I have the food, right? <laughs> he was a young teenager at the time. Yeah. And so, um, and Brian stopped me because he was one of my mentors in the study. And he said, you see what you just did there? You just, I, I came across the room and I gave you the compliment that I observed from you and your son. I appreciate that. I am giving that thought for you to you. I have come across the room to give it to you. And you have taken and distracted it, yeah. deflected it, and tried to make me laugh and be funny because what it boils down to is I didn't know how to accept it, listen to it, be present to it, um, or the notion that I'm a good dad. Yeah. You were they, not, not very far. Yeah. You were not, not very far apart. Take it. You, you, yeah, you, I wasn't. And yeah. so I didn't know what to do. And so much to your point of the congruency of the situation, normally Brian would come over and he would say, hi, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? And all of those things. Yet what happened was surprise. I didn't know how to deal with it. I tried to make it funny. So it's, they're not very far apart, are they? No. Those two situations. No, they are not far apart. And it's really interesting because in this situation, you talk about what is unpredictable. You didn't predict this. So, we can also see like this is new and you have to interpret you have to think about okay how do i react and you you choose the the way that you know like the the like the easier way for you for someone else it would have been another kind of comment or another reactions uh, but for you it's like what you have used probably very often up to now is the, the, this kind of, of jokes and it's really adaptive. You have made like uh, um, many things with this in your life. So yeah. all of us, we have our own mechanism that help, that help us to deal with, uh, with all those situations that are not predictable. And every day, like our life is full of 
unpredicted moments of unpredicted situations and uh, this is great this is a great thing this is life it's really mm-hmm. it's like uh, it's 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 beautiful but at the same time our mind our brain has to work hard as to understand to search for uh, information as to uh, as to like um, use uh, like the, the, the mechanism that he's used. Yeah. To- yeah. That we've done. Yeah. That we've been able to put together for, uh, that we use it in our favor. Right. I mean, we take a lot of these situations and we turn them in our favor. One of the interesting things that I'm seeing for the first time in this conversation with you, Genevieve, is that what I'm seeing is, is that if that person fell down the stairs, somebody who their occupation could be a nurse, the first thing they're going to, they're going to react differently and probably not laugh. They're going to see, they're going to watch it and say, I saw him hit his head or yeah. whatever. Right. And then, so they're going to go through that differently than I'm going to go through that. Yeah. At the same time, we often say the world is a negative place, but really when you think about it, fundamentally, the only thing that's happening in this situation is we have a negative experience of ourselves in the moment yeah. and we're trying to make it positive. Yeah. So as much as I did diminish the conversation with Brian and his compliment. I was, even though it wasn't really working for Brian in that moment, I was trying to um, make it work for me. Mm. Now, turns out a bit of a, a bit of a bandaid solution, if you will. That um, that in the bigger picture, it feels a lot better to regulate the emotion and be with it in the after some learning and paying attention. But it's quite beautiful. And that's, it seems like that's all we're doing. We're just really trying to make some positive moment out of something that's quite scary. Yeah, that, that's what we are, we are trying to do. So some, some people have more difficulty to do that. It depends on what you have experienced before. So if you have like a, a story of traumas, for instance, so this can, um, this can uh, color your your lecture or your interpretation of the situation so we have our history that shape uh, that shapes how we will experience like the here and now but yes if we see the big picture we try to to um to balance the, the negative with more positive to to make sense of what we are living mm-hmm what we are experiencing every day so so we are working hard to interpret to to be able to continue to have uh, uh, like to have a, a psychological well-being that is good enough mm-hmm. and for that yes sometimes we have to reinterpret what we are experiencing and like when we when we are laughing at someone we just who just fell uh we are with the person yes we are laughing at uh, the person but we are also with him and there's a a good example that uh, we can see on social media like uh, there was like eyes um uh, at some place and like a first person uh, fell and another one and another one and at some point someone just decided to film this experience it was like finally a social experience like there was many 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 people and what we saw it it was like the first that the people who felt after that they stayed there they wanted to see 
to, to see the other one uh, that, that that will fall and mm-hmm. it, like it created finally like a, a big group of people who were there they, they were um linked with the same experience yes they mm. all felt they are they all uh, uh, maybe were, were a, a bit humiliated at first but after that they were together so even in, in this like negative situation finally mm. they, they bounded with each other that's amazing. It's a, it's amazing how it creates community and connection out of all of it. I'm going to take the article and I'll post it up at shiftheads.ca so everyone could read it from theconversation.com. It's the article that Genevieve has written for you and it's really great. It's, it's worth reading. And, and I would say this, give yourself some grace in situations. And if you really want to play with it, just listen to yourself and listen to what happens and afterwards go, what just happened there? And then and say, you know, what what did I feel? Because I felt this thing in my tummy. I felt stress and hot and sweaty. What what did it make you feel? And then just start there. And if you could just start there, you'll start to find your way. I think it's quite beautiful. It's a great way to go. Um, thank you for being here. I really appreciate you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. This is the Shift Podcast. System breach. Just happened. Someone hacked me. All right, Hank is here, and it's time to get into the nerdiness. Um, Hank the Hacker joins us now. Hank's a white hat hacker. Think of it like a locksmith, right? People who um, they know how to undo the locks, and that's what they do is they test it. They see, can I get in? Are you protected? Are you safe? So that's what white hat hackers do. Black hat hackers, on the other end, are um, are the people who hack in and steal stuff. Now, we often, Hank, talk about you know hacking in and stealing information and all that stuff. So... Um, in this conversation about extortion, which is what it is, these aren't hackers for the most part. These are probably people who paid a hacker or a hacker stole a bunch of info and put it up for sale online. And so they paid for that info. They bought that info and they just are extortion experts. They're actually not hackers. So we sort of give these people a lot more credit than they deserve when we say that they're hackers because they're not hacking into anything. They're just paying for information and trying to steal money from everybody and extort them. Absolutely. And and that's exactly what it is, is, is extortion. And, you know, to go into and co- kind of comment on them not being hackers or, or cybersecurity professionals, even they aren't. And, and it kind of shows that, you know, these kind of scamming these scamming attacks and these fraud scams if you will are increasing in uh and how often they happen and it's because the services that people are offering that make it possible for someone to send these emails or uh send like you know a thousand emails um it's becoming a lot easier to access and a lot cheaper and and it goes the same on the other end of the stick where you have the the person being asked to pay for this ransom um, or, or asked to pay for this, this uh, you know, whatever they're asking. In some cases, it's, it's as high as $1,600 or $800. 
And it's it's much easier now for someone to buy Bitcoin than it was a couple of years ago. So it, it's almost even easier for someone not only to execute this scam, but also to fall into it. In some cases today, this is why the Bitcoin model is such a great one. You can actually just walk into a mall and uh, buy Bitcoin. You probably need your own wallet or some sort of clouded wallet to do that. So it takes a little preparation, but it is way easier to do that. And with an online consult, you can have Bitcoin in a matter of hours in a lot of cases. So this has become easier. Another thing they've done, these extortion people, Hank, is that they've lowered those ransoms that they're charging for individuals. They used to say, we want $30,000. We want $50,000. And that scares people away and makes them call the cops. But if it's $1,000, some people, that's a lot of money, but they might be able to make that happen. And so when they ask for $1,000, it becomes workable. And then they have so much information on so many people, they can get $1,000 out of 50 people a day. Well, that's exactly it. The scary part, too, is that because they're doing the scam through cryptocurrency with Bitcoin, you can actually search that Bitcoin address that they're asking you to send the money to. And you can see how many other people have fallen for the scam that day or or even since it started. And, you know, I, I had a friend recently just a, less than a week ago when we were talking about this on Facebook and they got the same email. And I looked up the Bitcoin address and that day the person had made uh, just over a thousand dollars. And so, it you know, whereas before a couple of years ago, we wouldn't have really seen one, they would have been asking for less money. And two, you wouldn't have seen many people actually making any kind of a transaction. Uh, but now you see them asking for more money, and it's much easier to make that transaction. And in some cases, they'll even walk the victim through how to make the transaction. But it's never, ever, ever a good idea to follow through and actually make the transaction. Because, uh you know, I would go as far as saying in 99.9% of cases, they don't actually have anything past the, you know, the email or the username or password that they've included in that email. One thing that I've done, um, if I was ever suspicious when that happens, so they will send you an email that'll say, hi, Shane Hewitt, right? Which is easily attainable off of the email account. And um, we have your email address, you know, Shane's Gmail account at gmail.com. And we, we, you know, we caught you doing nasty things on your webcam. We have a video we're going to release to the world. And so what I have done is, you know, when you talk about changing your passwords regularly, I actually changed the name on my account, on my Gmail. Yeah. Um, I change the name of my account and therefore the information that they have. And when I sign up for things, just uh, when I sign up for uh, here's a course or here's a free download of a document or whatever, um, and I, when they address the emails to you, they'll address it in a way that will say um, maybe an old address. So S Hewitt, right? Or or Shane, I'll change it and I'll put a, uh, I don't know, a different character in there. I'll make a typo in it when I sign up for those types of things where I'm not sure where it's going. And you can find it really quick when they email you and they're like, hey, Shane, you know, Hewat, 
right? That, and that's really it, smart. And then they get an email and you're like, well, obviously they've, they've got my information from a, from a free service that I signed up for. I actually, I, I purchased, um, I don't know how, how many people will actually be able to, to do this as well, but I purchased a domain um, that's my, my own name or a, a variant of my, my own name. And when I sign up for anything, it, absolutely anything, I, I'll put like, so say I was having you send me an email, I'll, I'll have you message Shane at Hank, you know, hanksdomain.com. And that way you can, and, and this is really easy. It's much easier to set up than you, you might be thinking, but this is a really easy way of like making sure that you can control and you can monitor where your email is being exposed or who's handing it out. And, you know, we even spoke a couple of weeks ago about how all this data can end up archived somewhere. And it, and it, and it usually does through some kind of like a web archiving service, but uh, this is the exact same thing. Criminals will find, you know, a, a, a list of leaked emails and passwords and what they'll do is they'll they'll just send a message to all of those emails and you know this might not be the same case as our commenter on facebook but um i've actually received an email very similar to this before and mm -hmm. for me uh it just included my um my email address and one of my old passwords and so they were basically just using that password as kind of a, a way of hoodwinking me. And, and uh, you know, we've spoke as well about amygdala, amygdala hijacking, but uh, about like hoodwinking me into thinking, oh, he, he might actually have something about me. He might yeah. actually have images or banking info or something. Um, but, you know, they never do they never actually have anything past that that initial password and and you know the email or whatever username and if you see that if someone is contacting you with this kind of an email um they might really know one of your old or or even your recent passwords and and they you know again they include it in the message to prove it but when, when you see that, you, you know that it's time to update your password on that account and, and consider even updating other passwords as well. Well, okay, let's talk about two things there. One of the, again, one of the tactics, I mean, this, this, the reason why I say that I, I, I do the things I do is because it has scared me in the past. I've experienced it. I've received it. It scared the crap out of me. And, um, and so I started to change the way that I do things. So inside the password, you know, you're supposed to have numbers, you're supposed to have characters, all those things. And, um, one of the things that I have more numbers than just the month, but one thing that I will do is when I change my password or the month that I choose to change my password again. So future, say I'm changing my passwords. My next time that I'm going to change my password is in December. Um, my, maybe I'll pick my favorite number. Maybe that's number 75, but what I'll do is into my password, I'll do 7512. Now only, only I know that little algorithm that I have because it's like dollar sign, pound, you know, I love my dog or whatever. Um, so, but I, when that password comes in the email, when they try to extort me and they say, Hey, Shane Hewitt, Shane Hewitt, that's spelled wrong. Um, we have your password and it has that 7512 in it. I know which pad that it's an old password because I know I've changed it already. 
And so that's comforting. It's extremely comforting to know that, oh, yeah, well, this is an old password. But that being said, they had, they build robots. If they take, you know, Hank's Gmail account at gmail.com and they have the, the password, one, two, three password, they will build robots, if I understand this correctly, uh, Hank, that will go and search common websites like Facebook and Spotify and Apple Music and all those things, and they'll just hit them with those credentials just to see if you use the same email and password on typical common websites. Is that a thing? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that that kind of leads on really well to the whole threads thing and, and how much data that threads is uh, is collecting. And and again, Threads is that new platform being offered by um, by Meta and Instagram. But you know, if if someone is credential stuffing and or that's that's what that is, where they'll they'll guess you know your your leaked password against as many different pa- websites as they can, and so they'll do like Netflix, Facebook, um, you know, Amazon, you name it, and. Now, of course, because Threads is going to be such a target for hackers in terms of data gathering, they're also going to be trying that. And so if they got in, you can imagine um, what kind of data and what kind of information they have access to. Facebook even has a download your information feature. Um, But that goes back to our conversation last week as well with, you know, being careful and and cautious with what you share online, even if it is, you know, at the time, just because it's, it's safe at the time doesn't mean it's, it's going to be safe tomorrow. And uh, so if you think it's private now, it, it might not be private if it gets breached, whether the whole company or someone gets into your one account, but, um, but yeah, that's the idea. They'll take your leaked password, leaked email, and they'll throw it against as many different services and websites as they can to see where else does this password work? Where else is this email used? Uh, thanks to Pam Narinsky who posted that. It was about three days ago that she posted that on Facebook, by the way, shiftheads.ca. If you have any questions, you can do that. I have another one that's been texted in here that we'll get to in just one second. But since Hank brought up Threads, Threads has been accused of... Uh, grabbing a lot more personal information than Facebook and Instagram do. You have to remember, Facebook is old, and there's been a lot of legacy information that's gone into that one. Facebook bought Instagram, then rebuilt it and integrated it, and so that's also been around for a while. The opportunity with Threads to compete with Twitter is a whole new platform of information they can gather because the technology has changed. What's the chatter about that one? Is it really just they've become the next big target because the amount of information they're gathering from us. You know, I, when I saw the, the headline, I wouldn't say they're the next big target so much as, you know, they're the newest target, you know, Mm -hmm. there's so many targets now in terms of data mining when you're thinking about cyber criminals. And, and like we said earlier, it's just getting easier and easier for people to, um, buy into whatever path they're going, whether it be financial um, or, or whatever their trade be in, in, in cybercrime. Um, but, you know, it, it. I think that Facebook does a really good job in terms of protecting their infrastructure from being hacked. Uh, and they, they do have a white hat pr- uh, program, but <laughs> I don't think they do a good job in terms of, um, you know, keeping your privacy um, 
private, not selling yeah. it, and not collecting a, a significantly um, like it, it's it's an overwhelming amount of data that they collect that shouldn't be collected. Things like you know how often is your mouse being moved or uh, if you have the app open in the background of your phone, it can also see the other things you're doing on your app. So if you're taking a photo with Snapchat while you have threads open, it is seeing the photo that you're taking in Snapchat. And you can think of other things like it can actually collect credit card information and your financial data. And uh, you can just it. There's so much that they're collecting. From I did. This. I deleted Threads when that article came out. I deleted. Yeah. It. So it's disconnected now. Um, it's still my account, um, but there, it's not going to be actively connecting because of it. I mean, that's the first time I've ever done it, and I read that one. I was like, oof. I don't know. I think I'm out. I'm going to tap out on that one. So um, absolutely fascinating. Hank the Hacker is here. It is our summer of cyber safety, so you can send in your questions. This one's interesting. Um, to get your thoughts, can you ask Hank, I have this, well, first of all, Facebook, I want to say one thing to add to what Hank said about Facebook is that you used to be able to sign up to Facebook to any country that you wanted. So, um, the amount of data they gathered was based on the local laws of your country, right? So if you sign up for an American account, but then you were in Canada, you were subject to American privacy laws. So what a lot of marketers would do is they would go sign up for a Russian account. They would say their location was Russia because the amount of data you could get on a Russian account was completely different. You could contact people, send mails, mass mails, mass spamming, and they would build these massive lists first. Then they would switch it to a Canadian account or an American account, and they would play dirty pool that way because that's that's the way Facebook works, at least the way it used to work. So just to add to your story, Hank. Um, yeah, as there a is hacker, this... I have to appreciate it. Yeah, right. It's um, they're they're following all the rules, really, and um, people are following the rules. And Facebook used to anyway. Let them do it. So um, this text comes in. It says, "Can you ask Hank? I have this app, Authenticator. Open it for the first time. Show that there were many hits from all over the world, Russia, all over North America, worldwide, on my Hotmail email, trying to get in." wrong password they didn't get in they also tried to sync with no success can hank touch on this authenticator app doesn't do that though does it it doesn't i mean we use authenticator as a microsoft service in most integrated uh, microsoft platforms for business which basically says what is the authenticator code on your phone you hit the thing you approve it and then you can log into your email on your laptop but um this guy's alluding at authenticator being um an awareness tool for for spamming is that a thing uh, well, so he might be confusing the security um, alert on his provider versus, you know, like Google Auth, for example. Google Auth, when you open the app, uh, you're going to see a bunch of six-digit codes, uh, and they're going to be numbers, all of them. And usually these have to be added manually so that you can log into your account with two-factor authentication. But what you're probably thinking of is the the security alerts platform for your email provider. And so uh, just to really quickly boil it down, if you're using Gmail, then what I would do is go on Gmail and go into your settings and security, and you can see where people are logged into your account. And you can also disable those sessions by clicking remove. Um, or if you're with, you do that Hotmail, with Netflix and stuff too. Yeah, yeah. 
if if you're with Hotmail, same thing. Go to your security settings, and uh, you can remove all of the sessions that you don't recognize. It might also be a good idea if you're recognizing an attempted login. Um, just change your password, and as always, turn on two-factor authentication. How many times do you think you've said that in your life? If I had five cents every time I said it, I think I might be rich. <laughs> right? It's true, though. I mean, it doesn't work when the cell network goes down, but for the most part, it does work, uh, and it's it's a great help. Authenticator as an app, the Microsoft Authenticator app, um, is a very common business tool. So, yes, um, make sure that you make, you're make you talking about the right app and you have the right one. Uh, give it a Google, and that's another thing you do is um, go to a different machine if you can and search it. Give it a Google. See if it comes up the same as what you're seeing in your email, right? Don't ever click the links in your email if someone says this business thing. I even called a, I called a business in the States because I got a spam. Accounts receivable, pay your bill, blah, 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 click here from a business down in the States. And um, it was very clearly a fake spoofed email. But so I just phoned their office. I I because I said to them, I said, look, either someone's got into your website or someone's got into your email or a computer on your network. Uh, because they are spoofing you. I got three account receivables from you guys today, all different emails. So someone wow. is spamming and spoofing you. So I phoned the guy. Three I just called him. Three in one day. Yeah. Um, but from different email addresses inside the um, the organization, and I replied to each one of them. I, re I replied to the. I copied and pasted the address. Um, I didn't reply to it because the reply address spoof. But I um, I copied and pasted the address for at the proper domain dot com. And, um, and none of them bounced back. So they, they had real legit emails. They weren't like info at whatever domain.com like these, they had, they had a hole. So anyway, uh, terrified the owner. I hope he gets it figured out, but that's what happens. That's Scary. actually just a, a really quick point. Um, and I, I told myself, make sure you say this tonight, but if, if you do notice anything like what we've talked about tonight, like the weird emails or, um, or, or like Shane said, even a weird invoice. Um, if you can't get through to the legitimate entity, like say it's it's another country or, or whatever, you can't find a contact info, don't hesitate to go contact the Canadian Anti-Fraud Center because they'll allow you to either report online, you can log in with your bank, or you can just call them. So do that and don't call the numbers on the email. Don't email the email address on the email. Search it out somewhere else. Find it, just to be clear, because the email is fake. Therefore, the numbers could be fake. Hank the Hackers here. Summer of Cyber Safety. If you have any more questions, send them in. We'll talk about them next week, same time. Thanks, Hank. Thank you. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you? Are you? Are you? Okay. 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 Are you okay with? 877-399-9898. You can get that phone number at shiftheads.ca anytime you like. It's available for you so you can share your thoughts on some of these stories that just might make you ponder a little bit. Are you okay with? Uh, being lost at sea. No, it doesn't sound uh, it doesn't sound very pleasant, does it? I mean, I imagine you'd have a lot of time with your thoughts and uh, I would hope you'd have a book, which is kind of like that game like Desert Island. Like you can only bring a book, a movie and a tool. What do you bring? 
on in a desert island? Yeah, yeah. You're trapped on a desert island. You have a book, you have a movie, and you have a tool. Uh, well, you take a tool. Like, for me, for example, it would be like my movie would be, uh, let's say, Interstellar. My book would be uh, The Disaster Artist. And my tool would be a Swiss Army knife. Oh, this is how we're so different, you and me. Okay. Because I would say, well, I don't want to take a book and I don't want to take a movie. Give me three tools. No, no, you, that's not the game, though. This is not. No, but option. here's why. Is... You got to hear why. Because when I, I have time on the why. island, when I have time on the island, I'll write the book. It's a desert island. It's going to be beautiful, more beautiful than any any movie. And then the tools will make me be alive when it's time to leave. Yeah, this is kind of like, let's play hockey, and you're like, I'm going to go play soccer on the other side. That's basically what just happened well, I, I there. Just, but, I, mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, get, I, get it. I get it. I'm being the no fun police here with this game. But yeah. I just feel like the the movie is the island, right? In the book, you get to write it. You, you get to choose it. You don't need to consume someone else's book when you're on a journey like that, you know? I don't know. All right. Way to go, Shane. Ruin it all. Yeah. Um, wah, wah. We're not lost at sea. We were lost at island in that little scenario, by the way. True. Yeah. Lost at sea is different. Lost at island could be fun. Um, you're going to want a friend. Uh, maybe a volleyball friend. I'm flying! Wilson! I can't! Wilson! Is that the movie you're taking on your desert island? Castaway? No, I don't even. I don't actually think I've ever seen it. Oh my god! It really, it's a good show. Yeah, no, no, I've heard it's fantastic. It's just, I don't know. I think I, I may have watched it like once on like the History Channel when I was a kid. Oh god, make us feel so old. Anyway, <laughs> um, one real life castaway was not alone as he was lost at sea for two months with his dog, and he was Australian. Ooh. He was Australian. Just drive from town to paradise and you'll see why we call Australia home. Australia. Australia. Tim Shattuck, or I should say Tim. I don't know how he did there. Tim. It's it's a little bit more New Zealandy. Tim. I don't, team, I don't, team, every time team, I try to do team. an Australian accent, it doesn't work. All right, Tim Shattuck, Team 51 of Sydney, was attempting to sail from the Mexican city of La Paz to French Polynesia, about 6,000 kilometers away, when his boat was damaged. A few weeks after he set sail with his dog, Shattuck encountered a storm that damaged the, his catamaran's electronics and communication systems, leaving him stranded in the Pacific Ocean. The sailor initially began his voyage in April, and he wasn't found until July 12th. Your name, please? Uh, Tim Shaddock. Okay, where are you uh, from? I'm from Australia. The pair set sail for the French Polynesia in April, but got into difficulty when their boat was damaged in a storm. They survived off nothing but fish and rainwater before being spotted by a helicopter on the lookout for a tuna fishing vessel. A doctor monitoring his condition says he has normal vital signs and is stable and well. Tim. 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 Um... 
That's from ITV and the footage from 9 News, by the way. Shattuck was able to survive in part because he had fishing gear on his boat. He caught fish, which he then had to eat raw and collected rainwater during storms to keep himself hydrated. He also fended off sun exposure and heat stroke by sheltering under the boat's canopy. I've been through a very difficult ordeal at sea, Shattuck said. (laughs) This is very proper. I've been through a very difficult ordeal at sea. Um, Whereas if it were a North American, they'd be like, F that. That's it. Uh, he said in a video obtained by Nine News, I'm just needing rest and a good and some good food because I have been alone at sea a long time. Otherwise, I'm in very good health. In the video, the sailor sports a long beard, bushy eyebrows, and appears quite lean. His dog yeah. was okay, too. Dog was okay. At least he had company. And uh, the other thing that kept him alive was his boat had a canopy, a really small one, so he could rest under the canopy when the look with the really hot sun so Mm -hmm. i don't Mm -hmm. know how you survive after eating lots of raw fish i guess sushi and hopefully you clean the fish okay and well that can't be that couldn't have been pleasant well you'd have to eat it pretty quickly i would say that's for sure yep so here's a question for you i think that if you're going to sail across the ocean a fishing rod should be required tools Good call. Yep. Mm-hmm. And a net, um, maybe. To your little notion about the storm knocking out his electrical gear, I don't think his movie was going to help him much. And how many times in two months is he going to read that book, do you think? Over and over and over again. Got to keep yourself entertained. What tools are you going to you know, use instead? So who do you think thought of this first, the dog or the human? Don't worry. I'm not going to be the one that goes hungry here. Uh, well, he kept his dog alive for two months, right? So he's mm-hmm. probably given half the fish to the dog and the mm-hmm. you know companionship. So they were good. Without the food present there. Uh, you know they're both thinking the same thing, right? Yeah, this is definitely a conversation. Ugh. So if our buddy Cyril Deramo is going to paddle across the Atlantic... Yep. From the Canary Islands to Barbados next year. This guy did it in a catamaran with sails and stuff. I find this concerning. Yeah, I'm sure he paid quite close attention to this story. Zero, mm-hmm. that is. Are you okay with brawls? Brawls. Uh, love Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Fantastic video game. Put a lot of hours into that one. That's mm-hmm. the Nintendo beat 'em up game where you like play as Mario and you beat the snot out of Donkey Kong or yeah, whatever. So that's that's a lot of fun. That's the only kind of brawl I'm down for. Have you ever been in a brawl? I've actually never punched a human being. I've like had mm-hmm. like play fights with my brother, but I've never hit another person in my life. So no, no brawls. Have you ever no been brawls. in a brawl though, like where you're at a bar and then a full-on ball brawl breaks out and you realize I'm standing in the middle of a brawl right now? No, the closest would be in a, at a concert and there's a mosh pit happening and I'm very close to it, so I just am aware of it and back off. That's the closest I've been to being in a brawl. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, a brawl erupted in a place you wouldn't expect to see one, a European Parliament building. The fight went down in the Kosovo Parliament on Thursday after an opposition lawmaker was displeased with something someone said, so he threw water on the Prime Minister, Albin Kurdi. Mm-hmm. 
That's Kosovo's prime minister who was speaking when he was interrupted by an opposition MP who threw water in his face. Instantly, a fist fight ensued between the ruling party and opposition members. Kosovo's president condemned the fight while Albania's prime minister called it shameful. <laughs> Can you imagine if they're like, oh, it's great. Um, that was from CNN, by the way. Yeah, brawling's not good. Let's not punch people. Uh, the fight was in response to Kurdish government measures to defuse tensions with ethnic Serbs in the country's north. Kosovo opposition parties have criticized Kurdish policies in the north that have strained relations with key Western allies. There was a really great phrase um, that I have just been introduced to. It's I don't I don't know who it's by, and um, and maybe it's not new, but it's new to me. And this phrase goes: Speaking of brawls, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than to be a gardener in a war. So that is, um, that's quite insightful. Um, hmm. If a brawl breaks out, I would rather be a warrior than a gardener Fair. in that particular case. So it's good advice. Look at this, deeply yeah. philosophical. Are you okay with what the heck? Wow. wow. Beautiful. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.